G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. The story of Jesus is not about God helping perfect people, it's about God saving lost people. At Christmas time, the traditions of the holiday tend to divert our attention from the real reason Christ came. Pastor Greg Laurie points out God's love in action. We have God doing for sinners what they can't do for themselves, reminding us of why Jesus came. Jesus came to heal broken lives and to restore shattered hopes. This is the day when the lost are found. cards are often full of warm, fuzzy thoughts that make us say, ah. But the first Christmas wasn't warm and fuzzy. It was cold and inhospitable. And Jesus didn't come to inspire heartwarming cards. He came to save lives. On A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie has some surprising facts that you might not know about the Christmas story. We'll see that the perfect Saviour dwelled in the midst of Earth's imperfection and accomplished His mission. if you've noticed, but all the rage right now is people tracing their ancestry. Uh, Sites like 23andMe and others will have you take a little swab and send it in and they'll tell you where your parents came from, your grandparents, your great-grandparents. I read recently that 26 million people have taken an at-home ancestry test. How many of you have done this already? So quite a few of you actually. We're curious about our roots. Well, there's a genealogist who attends our church. And he came up to me recently and said, you know, I studied your family tree. This is what I do. And, uh, and here's what I discovered. And I have to admit, I was pretty surprised by some of the things he came up with. And some of the people I found out that I have a relation to, some closer, some more distant. For starters, I found out that I am actually related to Johnny Cash. And I, I wrote a book about him. No, we look nothing alike, Johnny and I, of course. Uh, Johnny has hair, I don't. But, um, <laughs> but I was kind of excited because I wrote a book about Johnny Cash, obviously. And as it turns out, my great-grandmother, I didn't even know this until this genealogist told me, my great-grandmother was named Lutitia Cash. She was from the same Cash family that emigrated from Scotland to Virginia. So Letitia Cash, my great-grandmother, her uh, daughter, Stella, and then Stella married a guy named Charles McDaniel. We called him Daddy Charles and Mama Stella. That's my grandmother. And then Stella had a daughter named Charlene, and I'm the son of Charlene, so I'm distantly related to Johnny Cash. I found out also I'm actually related distantly to Steve McQueen. I wrote a book on him too. How about that? 
I didn't know that when I wrote these books. It's just interesting to find these things out. I also found out that I'm distantly related to Billy and Ruth Graham. So it's kind of a funny thing because all these, and I'm writing a book about Billy Graham right now. So I didn't know any of this when I started writing these books. Okay, so that's amazing to hear. I also found out I'm a distant relation to Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, and Walt Disney. Now, I've always loved Walt Disney. Lincoln and Jefferson too, they were okay, but Walt Disney. I'm kind of kidding. I really have always been enamored with Abraham Lincoln. I've read a lot of uh, books about him. But uh, Walt Disney, you know, I've always loved the creativity of Disney. And uh, when I was a little kid, he was like my hero. I wanted to be Walt Disney when I grew up. I just wish I could get some Disney passes out of this somehow. (laughs) What is it, like a year-long pass, like $10,000 now or something like that? (laughs) Okay, so that's, that might be kind of impressive to some people. Wow, you're related to these people. But I also found out I'm related to some more notorious figures. I'm related to Benedict Arnold. Ever heard of him? He was a traitor. And he went and served for the British in the Revolutionary War. And uh, so I'm related to him. I'm also related to criminal John Dillinger. Uh, I'm not very excited about that. Though I'm thinking of growing a mustache like he has maybe one day. And finally, I'm related to Jesse James, the outlaw. Okay, so I've got some impressive people in my family tree and not so impressive people. I have some heroes and a few zeros. You know, that's interesting to find out. You say, well, why do you bring this up? Because we're gonna talk now about the family tree of Jesus. And you might be surprised to know there were a few rogues in the gallery. I'm talking prostitutes, liars, adulterers, even a murderer. You heard me right. All of these people and more were in the genealogy of Jesus Christ because the family tree of Jesus was decorated with notable sinners. And I bring this up because, you know, we all have relatives we're a little bit embarrassed by, right? And I hate to break it to you, but you might be one of the relatives someone else is embarrassed by, right? (laughs) And when the Christmas comes, we get together with relatives, some we're looking forward to seeing, some we wish we didn't have to see at all. But here's the real message of the genealogy of Jesus, which is something we often skip over when we talk about the Christmas story. The genealogy of Jesus Christ basically says that God can change your story. Even if you've made a mess out of your life, He can turn your mess into a message. He can turn your test into a testimony. He can redeem the mess you have made of your life. And we've all made messes, haven't we? We've all done things we wish we had not done and said things we wish we had not said. Well, let's look now at this genealogy. Now, I hope this doesn't bore you, but we're gonna read a bunch of begats right now. But as I'm reading through them, I'm going to encourage you to underline a few of these names that we'll talk about in a moment. So go to Matthew 1, start in verse 1, read along with me. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David. Underline that phrase, the son of David. Abraham begot Isaac. Isaac begot Jacob. Jacob begot Judah and his brothers. Judah begot Perez and Zerah by Tamar, underline Tamar. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot 
Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz by Rahab, underline Rahab. Uh, Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Obed begot Jesse. And Jesse became David the king. David the king begat Solomon by her who had been the wife of Uriah. Underline that phrase, the wife of Uriah. That's Bathsheba, by the way. Solomon begot Rehoboam. Rehoboam begot Abijah. Abijah begot Asa. Now we're going to drop down to verse 15. Iliad begot Eleazar. Eleazar begot Mathan. Mathan begot Jacob. Jacob begot Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. That's a genealogy of Jesus in the Gospel of Matthew through the line of Joseph. The genealogy of Jesus through Mary is found in the Gospel of Luke and that's why there's some discrepancies there because they're different people. There's some pretty surprising names in this lineup. By the way, most Jewish genealogies did not include women. For instance, in Luke's genealogy of Jesus there are no females but Matthew includes five. Who are they? Tamar, Rahab, Ruth, Bathsheba, and of course, Mary. A number of these women, well, were pretty immoral at one point. So why include them? Answer, because Jesus' story is not about God helping perfect people. It's about God saving lost people. Let me say it again. It, the story of Jesus is not about God helping perfect people. It's about God saving lost people. In this genealogy, which is a key part of the Christmas story, we have God doing for sinners what they can't do for themselves, reminding us of why Jesus came. Jesus came to heal broken lives and to restore shattered hopes. Let me say that again. He came to heal broken lives and to restore shattered hopes. He came to save us from our sin. That's the message. You should call his name Emmanuel, for he has come to save his people from their sins. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in the U.S. It's great to have you with us today as he reveals Jesus' checkered lineage to show us how the Lord extends his grace to all of us, no matter our imperfections. Now let's look at this family tree of Jesus and pop a few of these names out. Let's start with David in verse one. What a colorful character. A lot of ink in the Bible dedicated to his life and his exploits. Uh, he is uniquely identified as the man after God's own heart. He was plucked out of obscurity and anointed by the prophet Samuel to take the place of the wicked King Saul. And he was the greatest of all of the kings of Israel. We know about his victories, the defeat of the massive giant of a man, Goliath, nine feet, six inches tall. And we also know about his horrible failure with Bathsheba, who's identified in this genealogy as the wife of Uriah. You could sum up David's name with those other two names, David and Goliath, his greatest victory, David and Bathsheba, his worst defeat. But yet he makes it into the most exclusive genealogy in all of human history. And he's not just a part of it, he's the most important member of it. Because Jesus was identified in his earthly ministry as Jesus, the son of David. Remember Bartimaeus, who was blind, saw Christ coming, 
And he said, son of David, he shouted it, have mercy on me. And then we're told that the Lord said to Mary in Luke 132 of Jesus, he will be great. He'll be called the son of the highest and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. David. After all the mistakes he made, yet he is part of this exclusive genealogy. Talk about the redemption of a life and an ain't. Did you know that God can redeem your life and he can redeem your name as well? How many of you have heard of the Nobel Peace Prize? Raise your hand up. Well, I have one and I'm giving it away today. No, I don't. But um, <laughs> this is a prize that is given out uh, to a person who has worked for the cause of peace. And it was established by Alfred Nobel. But the story behind it is interesting. As it turns out, Alfred Nobel was reading the paper one morning and he came to the obituary column and was shocked to find his name listed. They had made a mistake and had said that Nobel had died. He was very much alive. And he was remembered for this thing. Alfred Nobel, the inventor of dynamite. Now at that particular time, historically, dynamite was used in warfare a lot. And Nobel thought, I don't want to be known as the guy who invented dynamite. So he decided to establish what would be known as the Nobel Peace Prize. So now when we hear his name today, we think of the Peace Prize. We don't think of dynamite. So basically, what happened with Nobel is he redeemed his name and he redeemed his reputation. That's what we see happening in this story. God redeemed David despite his shortcomings. Number two, we have Tamar in verse three. Who is she? I have to admit to you, I'm shocked she made it into this family tree. And she was a woman who um, was a prostitute and not a godly woman that I can see from the story, yet she's in the messianic line. Again, it's a story of redemption. Then there's Rahab. Usually she's just called Rahab the harlot. Rahab the prostitute. Rahab the hooker, if you will. That's what she was. That's what she did in the city of Jericho. But uh, when two spies were sent in to check the city out before the Israelites invaded, Joshua and Caleb, she hid them in her house. And because of that, she was spared when the Israeli army came in. And somehow she makes it in to the messianic line. Absolutely amazing. Then we come to Ruth. And like Tamar and Rahab, she was not a Jewish woman. She was a Gentile. She married uh, one of the two sons born to a woman named Naomi. The sons of Naomi were named Malan and Chilion. And their names meant sickly and pining. And then they both died, which almost seems like a self-fulfilling prophecy. You named your kid sickly, you know? Why would you marry a guy named sickly? I'm sickly. Want to get married? Uh, no. Well, she married him and he died. So now the, both of the boys are gone. And she says to her mother-in-law, Naomi, hey, wherever you go, I'm gonna go. Your God's gonna be my God and your people are gonna be my people. And as a result of this, this woman um, who is a Moabite uh, ends up in the most exclusive genealogy in all of human history. And then that brings us to Bathsheba. It's interesting, she's identified as the wife of Uriah. Verse six says that. Of course, we all know the story. David committed adultery with Bathsheba and uh, he tried to cover it up, which did not work. And so he effectively had Uriah killed in battle. And 
She's identified that way. So it's a little reminder. You see, this is how she became the mother of Solomon and the wife of David. She was the wife of Uriah. But again, it's just a reminder that God can take a life that's self-destructed and turn it around and He can put it back together. And finally, we have Mary, the mother of Jesus, mentioned in verse 16. Far from being promiscuous, Mary was the very opposite. She was virtuous and morally pure. Quite an accomplishment considering the fact that she lived in this city called Nazareth. Nazareth was known for its wickedness. That is why when Jesus called the man Nathaniel, Nathaniel replied, and I don't know if he went, but I, I think he did. <laughs> he said, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Remember that verse? Why did he say that? Because it was known for sinfulness. They had a saying in the day, whatever happens in Nazareth stays in Nazareth. No, that's Vegas, excuse me. But that was the idea because Roman soldiers would stop over in Nazareth on their way from one place to another and more than one young girl living in this city ended up pregnant out of wedlock. So here is Mary despite this immoral background, living this godly life. She's just a young girl. But she was handpicked by God to be the most privileged woman who ever walked the earth. She was chosen by God to be the mother of the Messiah. Mary is the only woman who actually had Jesus both in her womb and later in her heart. And uh, so Mary was chosen by the Lord and Gabriel was sent to tell her. Now when Gabriel shows up, something big is coming down. So Gabriel is dispatched from heaven with the good news that Mary will be the mother of the Messiah. Let's pop over to Luke 1 now and look at that verse together. We'll drop down to verse 26. Luke 1, 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She was surprised. Why was she surprised? She was surprised that God would pick someone like her. She had true humility. Why would you choose someone like me? It's not like Mary said, well, hello. I've been living a godly life in this godless city. It's about time someone recognized that I should have the highest privilege of all time and be the mother of the Messiah. No, she said nothing of the kind. And that's because the more spiritual you are, the more aware you will be of your own sinfulness. And listen, Mary was a sinner. She was not sinless. She was a godly girl, but she was a sinner. Because later in Luke, after this announcement was made to her, she gave what is sometimes called her Magnificat. It was really the Psalm of Mary. And then she said there in Luke 1, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. My Savior. Yeah, she needed a Savior too. And so what a special person she was.
Pastor Greg Laurie with some good insights on Mary, the earthly mother of Jesus, on A New Beginning. And there's more to come in this important Christmas message about a messed up family tree. Hope you can join us again tomorrow at the same time for more on A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie. But before we go today, here he is once again to share with us what's on his mind right now with Christmas Almost Here. Now, for a copy of Pastor Greg's full message from today, get in touch with Vision Christian Store. It was called A Messed Up Family Tree. Just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-00-5011. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.